Hi, everybody. This is Dixon. And I'm Jose. And welcome to the September 2022 episode of Southwest Side Stories. We've got a really good episode today. We're talking to a group of folks from United Educators for Justice, uh, which is organizing to try to win improvements in Chicago's charter schools. Um, these are educators within the Acero network of charter schools here in Chicago. Um, and they won an important victory stemming from a 2018, historic 2018 charter school strike. Um, Jose, you're going to be leading this conversation. What are you interested in in learning? Yeah, I mean, it's just really exciting, you know, to hear about a charter school union coming about. So hearing the details about um, how they were able to pull off a strike in 2018 and how, you know, where the union's at now with the rest of uh, the teacher union ecosystem, you know, there've been strikes in Ohio and Chicago is no stranger to teacher strikes themselves. So um, how they're fitting into all that and just hearing the details, um, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to hear for sure. Um, and the 2018 strike, it it was a historic strike, the first ever charter school strike in the United States. Um, and it happens in schools across the southwest side, uh, across the city. Chicago, of course, has plenty of charter schools, but it was really interesting to see this action taking place. And I remember uh, there was a photo in the New York Times of the... Um, picket line outside of the Acero School in Archer Heights, which is pretty close to where I live within walking distance. So I think this is sort of an underappreciated story that this really was a historic strike and a historic victory. Um, and much of it took place right here on the Southwest side. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's under, um, it's undersold in the media because it's also kind of um, indicating how naturally uh, teachers unions have come about throughout history as a profession um, that takes a lot of, um, you know, uh, studying, you know, in and of itself, the the simplification of the job of teaching and education, um, you know, to uh, have kind of a, a, a rotating uh, workforce uh, was why teachers unions formed in the first place. And uh, it's my understanding why this charter school union came about. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing, you know, charter school teachers following in the same footsteps that previous Educators of America has, you know, and, and forming their union. Hi, I'm Caroline Rutherford. I am a visual arts teacher at Marquez Elementary School, um, which is an Acero school. And I am the chair of the Acero Council. There's 15 unionized schools in the Acero Council. And then I'm also the vice chair of the charter division. We have about 35 schools that are unionized in the charter division, 13 different councils. Bethany? Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Bethany Rook. I teach second grade at Aceros Tamayo campus, which is on 51st in California. Um, and I am the vice chair of elementary schools. Tenaria? Hey, I'm uh, Daneria Dukes. I am the uh, vice president for PSRPs for um, UEJ. I am also um, on the bargaining team for PSRPs as well as my campus, Daniel Zazumbo, and I am also a um, DL apprentice. 
know, I started off uh, working at a school here in Chicago as a PSRP. So I'm really grateful to the people that fight for us, um, you know, on, on these bargaining committees. Um, and uh, to that end, you know, uh, you're all teachers and thank you so much for popcorning out on your own, um, showing those school skills. Uh, you, you've created this uh, charter school council and it's a very, uh, it's a testament to, um, you know, the, the union history and uh, of Chicago, uh, but also um, uh, the select equity of, of teachers coming together to organize for their needs. It's my understanding that uh, you, were comp you were able to get a contract after a 2018 strike um, that you're in the midst of renegotiating. Um, Caroline, if you kind of want to start with, with take us through that and uh, share out as, as we go forward. Sure. Um, so we actually started, I've been working at um, Marquez since 2010, and we started unionizing back in 2012. There was an organizing effort. Um, we got landed our first contract in 2013. Um, it was three years long, and then 2016 was our second contract. We almost went on strike in 2016, but we settled at about three, four in the morning, something like that. Um, so we were able to go to school, and and everything was great, um, ish. And then in 2018, we had contract negotiations again. Um, in those contract negotiations, we were really fighting for a lot of things that were going to improve our buildings and our school communities. We were fighting for sanctuary schools and sanctuary employers in all of our schools. Um, we were also fighting for smaller class sizes, which is a really big deal for our kids. Um, when, we, when I started, they were UNO charter school, and then they became UCSN, and then they became ACERO. And we had 32 students in all of our elementary schools, which is a lot. So we were really pushing for 28 as a cap to our class size to give more, you know, one-on-one -on -one supports to our students. Um, we were able to get our class size down to 30. So that was a huge win for us in 2018. We did go on strike for four days. Um, we were the first unionized charter in the entire nation to go on strike. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, and it was it was a lot of organizing. There was a lot of support from the community, from the parents, um, from some of the aldermen in the area. And so after four days of being on strike, we were able to win some really amazing things for our students and our educators. Twenty eighteen being the first charter, I think that was in the world, Caroline, to go on strike. This was um our third contract, and it was our first contract as a Sarah Schools. And this was also the first contract where we actually had two PSRPs at the bargaining table. So you got to know their strength in numbers, right? So being able to get some real, I'm not saying PSRPs had wins in the first two contracts, but compared to the third one, those were nothing. I mean, able to get a salary scale based on, um, the amount of education, um, getting paid to substitute teach. It's only going to get better from here. But that was that was really big for us. I will say that. I mean, all the time and energy and effort, because we bargained that contract literally for 11 and a half months. So that, yeah. that it, it was, I mean, if we had to go back, I think we'd all do it all over again if we had to. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess we would. <laughs> We are right now, D. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I mean, like that, like all that we put into that one, it, it would yeah. be done. Yeah. 
Yeah, we um the for the PSRPs, the salary schedule was huge. The substitute teaching was huge. Also, the protections on being able to say no to substitute teaching, because a lot of our apprentices or PSRPs are pulled all of the time. And so they can actually say, no, I have a job to serve these students. And so they can, you know, deny that. Um, and then getting classroom aides or PSRPs in all of our kindergarten classrooms was a really big win too, um, that go with the students for the entire day. Because there are a lot of our kindergarten students haven't been in school before. And so this is their first experience. And to have two adults with them at all times is essential. Like what we're fighting for is always what's best for students. Like it's best for young elementary students to have an assistant in the classroom, you know, to support them, you know, uh, transitioning throughout the day, organizing their materials, things like that. Uh, we also know that smaller class sizes are best for students. You can get, we actually calculated out how much time in our day we have and like how much time we can spend per student. And like when you drop down those student loads, you can spend a, a lot more time with kids. Um, so all the things that we're fighting for are what's best for students in the end. And I think because we like teachers and the PSRPs are the ones that are interacting with parents the most, like we see them every day at arrival, dismissal, they know that we have their child's best interests in hand. And that's why they were so supportive in 2018. Yeah, I also think, I mean, when charter schools really came about um, back, you know, in, in the early 2000s, they were by design supposed to be these innovative incubative schools that would be better than the public sector schools. And now, 10, 15 years later, we're looking at all the data and the data has shown that they aren't actually better than the public schools or the district schools. Um, and what they were doing as like their incubation, you know, their secret sauce that they claimed they had was really packing as many students into a classroom with as few resources as possible, young teachers not paying them well enough. And so it was a huge disservice to students. And what we've done as we've you know, unionized and tried to raise up these industry standards across the city, we've really started to push them in the direction of being more like the district, but also trying to make the district better as well. You know, I mean, this is what we've seen. We look at what's happening in like the suburbs, these well-funded schools, and they have all these resources. They have these amazing arts programs. They have amazing sports programs. They have counselors and social workers and nurses and all of these resources for our kids. But when you look throughout the city at the charter in the district, they don't have those same things. And so we're it's, it's just this huge disservice to our students in the city who are largely black and brown communities. And so that we need to flip that. We need to give the same resources that we're giving to our affluent communities to our low-income communities um, if we're going to improve the education across the city of Chicago, not just in the charters, but also in the district. And that's what we're trying to do with this campaign. It's not just uh, a contract campaign for ACERO. Um, all the 13 councils in that are unionized are negotiating their contract at the same time. And then in a year and a half, the district's going to be working on negotiating theirs. So this is a, a huge, like phase one of a huge, large citywide campaign um, for all of our communities. And so we're really, really trying to improve those resources. And they have a lot of money to do that right now. 
We think that there should be more money from the state and the federal government put into education, 100%. But they have a lot of money to do that right now. They're just not putting those resources in the classroom. We also uh, talk about sustainability a lot with this profession because it is, you know, has especially in the charter network, there was really high turnover rates. Like we had huge turnover. They would hire really young teachers that would last a year or two. And then they would either go to CPS and get paid more, or they'd go out to the suburban districts and get paid a lot more and have a much more sustainable environment. And First-year teachers, they're amazing, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> like They're the most amazing humans in the world, but there is an expertise that comes with years of experience, and getting teachers with that experience to stay and like mentor new teachers and stuff like that is vital for elevating the education level of these students and filling the gaps that we see in low-income communities or communities of non-native English speakers. So getting good teachers to stay is, you know, a big future goal as well. It just seems like those roles, those paraprofessional roles are even less sustainable in a school ecosystem, yet they're, um, you know, even just as vital uh, to keep systems running, you know, efficiently and uh, with consistency. Um, and yet those are the workers sometimes with the most precarious uh, situations and the most to lose. And, uh, you know, I, this is a, a great endeavor that, um, you know, you guys are taking on, but how has it been retaining uh, membership? And, uh, and well, I, I'd say as far as the PSRPs, PSRPs being um, our uh, DL, classroom assistants, our um, IT staff, our clerks, as well as our uh, kinder assistants. Um, I'd say this last contract, like we said before, um, the salary scale, because we are a charter who have quite a few PSRPs with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees. So with that salary scale, they're kind of being paid accordingly now. So that's helped with sustainment a lot as well as getting paid to substitute teach, getting paid for having a child with you during your lunch, getting paid for Miss Prep. Those things have helped us out a lot. Um, and so I think that like, it's been e not easy sustaining, but they're, they're a, lot, um, a lot more willing to take on different tasks and do more things now that they're being paid accordingly more or less, not accordingly, because, you know, there's always room for more, but um, in comparison to like other charters in the public sector, it's definitely a difference with the pay, but there's also a difference with the expectations as well. Gotcha. Yeah, in 2018, we were able to um, create that salary schedule for our PSRPs. And then in 19, um, the district, they they had huge wins and gains. And so we're, we're sort of playing catch up right now to try to match where the district is so that people, because I understand, right? You want to buy a house and raise a family. And, and so if you can get paid more for doing the same job somewhere else, it makes sense to do that. And so we want to uplift those industry standards across the city. Um, 
But I also, one of the things you talked about, it, it's not even just the sustainability, it's the stability, right? Is that the, in the special education world, um, a, with the way that they do it at Acero, which is super problematic, is that they, every year in April, they give us our allocations for our special education. Um, and our principals and administrators at the school level have to fight for like months, um, about three or four months, they have to go through this process called the appeal process. So they'll give us how many um, special education teachers and how many special education apprentices we're allowed to have at our school. And it's almost always a reduction from the previous year. And so then our administrators go through and they like beg and plead and they put all this data together and this information about how we can actually function and give all the supports that we need to our students. And then sometime in July or August, Acero central office will come back to us and say, okay, you can keep those positions. Meanwhile, those positions have been cut. Those members have been laid off. They've been moved to a different campus. They found another job. And so we're left with these vacancies every single year. And so the way that they structure the stability of that position is, is detrimental to our students. And so that's something that we're also trying to combat with these contract negotiations is how can we secure those positions? Um, at each of our campuses. This is the fourth contract, right? We started amongst each other maybe about May, April or May, internal. And we started meeting with Acero Management this past July. But keep in mind, we finalized the 2018 contract, December 2018. Um, we look up maybe a year later, there's COVID. Then we did, we've done what, three MOUs? Five. Five safety, oh man, five safety MOUs since then. So technically we have been bargaining straight for about four, over four, almost five years now. So we, I mean, <laughs> we're pretty much pros at this. Like, so, so we got it, but it's like everything is coming at once. So now we've got the safety unlocked, but then it's still an open conversation because there's the COVID, then there's the monkeypox, and every other day there's something new coming up. So that's still an open conversation in addition to us currently bargaining this new contract. Yeah, Jesse Sharkey would like to joke that, I mean, it's not a joke, that we've been in a constant negotiating season for five years, and that's 100% accurate. And the three of us also are full-time teachers and educators. So um, we haven't seen a summer or winter or spring break in a minute, but we do this because we love it. Um, and it's the right thing to do. We love our students, we love our staff. And so we're gonna keep doing it until it gets better. Okay, I thought that was a really good conversation with Carolyn and Bethany and Daneria about their experience um, and the victories that they've won for people working in charter schools in Chicago and students attending um, school within the Acero network. And one of the things I thought was really interesting was, you know, this notion of union victories rippling out throughout the community. So there are victories for workers within the Acero network and students and parents for sure, but they also have beneficial ripple effects within CPS and they have beneficial ripple effects 
uh, for working people in the community and in Chicago in general. So this notion that you're raising standards across the board most directly um, with the employer uh, that you're striking against, but also for everybody else within the community as well. I thought it was definitely you know, interesting to hear that and to remember that. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, uh, you know, aside from you know all the courage that it took to you know take on these endeavors, it's also just really, really mentally taxing to be in it for the long haul the way they have been. Um, you know, which is why uh, I I was just really touched by how much uh, solidarity and how much community support you know it was required for them to formally be, you know become a union and uh, enter you know within the the union ecosystem but now with their contract coming up um they were able to win this contract because of the 2018 strike and uh having a formal contract that's better tends to mean that a union will have to either do a strike or at least posture that um that they're able to do a strike which will require a lot more community support so um i think that really timely episode um you know for back to school and i'm hoping that the southwest communities that were in support in 2018 remember that you know their teachers are back out there needing their help again <laughs>